All right, bingo. Hello, and welcome to the today's Heart Investors podcast. Again, my name is Brian Meshkin, and I'm privileged to host this podcast. Today, we are honored to have as our guest, serial entrepreneur, author, and cancer advocate, Ms. Anne Lowe. Welcome, Anne, to Heart Investors. Well, Brian, thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you on our show. As our listeners are probably sick of hearing me say, I believe one of the best things we can do after we experience something awful or tragic is to either help others going through similar circumstances or help others avoid those tragedies. Well, Anne is another one of those inspirational stories and heroes who's done that. After her own cancer diagnosis in 2014, Anne, who had spent several decades as a surgical assistant to a glaucoma specialist, recognized how little she knew about the cancer journey, even with her vast and extensive medical background. This raised a question in her mind. If it was difficult for me, how must it be like for someone who has no medical background and they get those infamous dreaded words, you have cancer? This question was the impetus for her to write a book entitled, Holy Crap, I Have Cancer, Now What? What to expect when you weren't expecting such a great wordplay, Anne. Uh, this book helps patients who are newly diagnosed with cancer through their treatment and into survivorship. Anne is also the host of a show called The Lowdown on Cancer, where she interviews researchers and business leaders who are trying to help Advanced Cancer Diagnosis and Treatment Technologies. You can find that on YouTube. Anne has spent nearly a decade as the executive director of a Phoenix-based nonprofit, Hearts of Stone, whose mission is to develop entrepreneurism and at-risk children and to transform the organizations that support them. Besides her advocacy, Anne is a mom, a wife, and a caregiver to her elderly parents and likes to dabble in several different mediums of art. She's truly a Renaissance woman. Most recently, and how I got to meet Anne, is she's the co-founder of Cancer Fund, a social impact investment fund, and happens to be a sponsor of our podcast. So with that intro, Anne, I need to go ahead and give a quick pause and quick word on behalf of our sponsor, Cancer Fund. So if you've ever donated to a cancer research foundation in the hopes of helping stop cancer, then you may want to learn more about how to invest in Cancer Fund. Cancer Fund is a community of people sharing a passion to change the future of cancer now. They believe that innovation is the key to improving cancer prevention, diagnosis, intervention, and outcomes, and they're committed to helping promising solutions get from the lab to patients. They support promising developments in their earliest stages where financial support can make the difference between a great idea and a breakthrough in cancer care. So why would someone invest $500 or more in Cancer Fund? Well, basically to help cancer patients and possibly even generate a return on your investment. I've been inspired by the team at Cancer Fund and recently joined them as a venture partner a few months ago. To learn more about investing into Cancer Fund, or if you are looking for investment into your early stage company that is looking to make a positive impact for cancer patients, please visit www.cancerfund.com. Okay, now that we got the advertising message out of the way, Anne, let's go ahead and get started. Does that sound good? That sounds great, but I think you've already covered it all. I'm not sure I have anything left to say. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have amazing, wonderful insights to share. So I'll start off with the question that I basically ask every guest who comes on this podcast in some form of variation that's around what inspires them. So Anne, tell us about what inspired you to start the lowdown on cancer and co-found Cancer Fund. Well, I think it, I think it goes back to you know, what you said about not not recognizing or thinking about, let me start over on that one. So I think it goes back to the fact that I knew so little about the cancer journey while I was going through it. And, you know, I just really wanted to 
make sure that people were educated. You know, there's a lot of questions out there. You know, what do you, what do you ask an oncologist? What do you ask a surgeon? What do you ask a radiologist? What do all these tests mean? And so, you know, I love to inform and educate people. And one of the things that I recognize, you know, as, as cancer patients and survivors and caregivers of people going through cancer, what we constantly hear is you need to invest in research. You need to invest in research, invest in research, invest in research. That's all we hear. And until I met Anthony, who Anthony Bajoris, who is the founder of the Cancer Fund, that was my thinking as well. And what there's a research is amazing. There's a it's well funded, but the step that isn't funded is what happens with that research and how does it get to a patient like me? And it just makes sense to try and educate people that what we're being told, you know, invest in research, invest in research. Yes, it's good to invest in research, but there's a next step that nobody talks about. So true. So true. Yeah, I know being a social impact investor myself, you, you look at the geographies of the world and it's kind of interesting because Canada actually does a great job with that uh, and those type of grants. Um, but the United States really doesn't. There, there really isn't a funding mechanism for that. You know, um, yeah, I once heard a talk uh, where someone said, you know, I mentioned this earlier to you, there isn't a person you wouldn't love if you could read their whole story. And I love hearing people's stories. It's probably why I love doing this podcast. Um, and it seems like, Anne, we're, you know, a, a, a next of kin in that regard, because it seems like you love hearing people's stories too. And so share with me, because I, I, love, I love listening to, to your show on YouTube. Why have you chosen to share the stories of other cancer survivors like yourself? Uh, I think that publicly, a lot of us do a huge disservice. And, you know, on our Facebook profiles and our social media, we're going through cancer and, and we show ourselves, you know, we've got the cute hat on and, oh, you know, here I am doing this, but that isn't the reality for a lot of people. The reality of, of cancer, uh, especially with chemotherapy and stuff is that it really sucks. It really <laughs> sucks. And I, I think that we need to be honest and straightforward about that. And you know, it's so interesting to me that there are so many different stories because the reality of it is our bodies all respond to treatment so differently. And I had a scientist tell me everybody is a clinical trial of one as they go through cancer. And, and that's a fact. So I love learning and hearing people's stories about you know, when were you diagnosed? How were you diagnosed? What was your therapy like? Those kinds of things. So I just love connecting with people and, you know, I have cancer. They usually have cancer. It's a connection. And I think it's important that we share really openly and authentically what having cancer is like, even, even the, the shitty stuff, even the financial woes, you know, to have 30% of the, uh, cancer population that have insurance still having to file for bankruptcy. You know, there are things that people are outside of cancer have no idea how it affects everybody that's in that community. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
And I think, you know, people like to sugarcoat things, you know, with pink socks and pink ribbons and all the hoopla that exists out there. But there's, there's a lot of dirt. There is a lot of mud. There is a lot of, you know, stuff that you have to go through that you're right. People don't like to share that stuff. You know, I think no. sometimes, sometimes we feel that maybe we're not strong when we're sharing some of those difficult things. But I love what you talked about, about being authentic and connecting, because I think that's, that's what people are looking for. Oh, I, I agree. And, you know, when you talk about the pink stuff, you know, I, I despise pink washing. You know, there's a, there's a huge amount of money made on the back of a pink ribbon. And that's really frustrating to me. So, you know, I think one of the things that I think of is, um, you know, checking out in a store and there's the little suckers that, you know, buy one of these and all the money that goes there is going to go to whatever cancer organization. Well, you know, if you ever ask somebody, um, you know, say you've got the, the checkout person and you say, well, where is that money going? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> and half, and a majority of the time, it goes right into the till, you know, and, and even big companies like YoPlay, if you read, you know, they do that, that pink cap in October. And if you read the small print, there's a limit to the number, the amount of money that they actually give, you know, and it's small, very small. And, and that really is, is frustrating to me to have people and companies benefit on the back of and market on the back of an illness. It, it just really pisses me off. Yeah. No, actually, let's, let's go up on a tangent here for a second. Cause you, you brought I like up, tangents. <laughs> you, uh, you brought up like this issue around some of the perception and the pink washing and that type of thing. You know, one of the things that's, you know, obviously a discussion for another time, but, you know, I've personally seen the damage that can be caused by misperceptions and misinformation. And, you know, the dictionary chooses as a word of the year, every year, a different word. It's a new word in the vernacular of the English language that's indicative of changes in our culture. And in 2016, 2017, and 2018, those words were post-truth, fake news and misinformation. And I think that we, you know, we live in a time where there's so much information being spread that isn't accurate. And whether it's over social media, traditional media outlets, whatever it may be. And I, I can't help but think that that creates some misperceptions even amongst cancer treatment, cancer diagnosis, and a lot of the confusion that goes along there. Um, you mentioned, you know, research, 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 and you repeated that beforehand. And, and you talked about the importance of that next step of going beyond the research, translating, if you will, into something that is actually accessible to a patient. Because unless you're enrolled in a clinical study, research isn't going to benefit you. It's the next step. And so in co-founding Cancer Fund, um, you know, a lot of people will want to, when they, when they have a loved one or they themselves are going through it, they want to, they want to give back. They want to pay it forward. They want to do something to advance the field to help patients. And so they'll look to invest in research or give to a nonprofit, but you just talked about how some of those things are pink washed and the money really doesn't get to the intended. end. can you explain to me kind of what the value proposition is for cancer fund for those that may want to contribute in a way that actually helps some of this good research translate to benefit patients. Absolutely. What is the value proposition for cancer fund there? 
Absolutely. Well, you know what? What's interesting in that, and I'll go back just to an example of of um, how I kind of how I learned all this. So I was the executive director of a, of a nonprofit, and we we wanted to switch the table on it and have it be more more like a business where eighty percent of the profits go out to the cause. And 20% is used to run the organization with most nonprofits. Now, the numbers may be a little bit different. That's completely switched. The bulk of the income goes to keeping the doors of the organization open. And you can't ever really pick up the phone and go, okay, I wrote you a check for $100. I'm aware that $80 is going to go to keep the doors open. But what are you doing with my $20? They, they can't tell you that. And so the cancer fund is, is such a completely different idea. So you have these, this research and, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who has benefited from that significantly. So I was a HER2 positive breast cancer patient and 20 years ago, um, that was a, a, a close to a death sentence, but fortunately, with her Herceptin and Progetta, that has turned into something that I'm actually not incredibly concerned about dying from my cancer. And that, that research would have never gotten to a point where I could use it as a patient if a scientist or somebody hadn't taken that research and turned it into a viable product. You know, a lot of these research institutes, they don't really have a plan to capitalize on that research. Somebody has to take that research and turn it into something. But there's this, this area called the chasm of death where researchers are, are where, excuse me, where innovators are taking that research and trying to turn it into a viable product. And it's early stage. Um, there's not a lot of money available for that kind of stuff. They've tapped out all their friends and family. And so what they need is they need an influx of, of capital in order to take that research to the next level. And so, you know, Anthony, who's brilliant, recognized that that's, that's a gap. That's a huge gap. And so what, what's great about the Cancer Fund you know, I wrote, until I found out about the pinkwashing, I wrote checks to two people very dear to me long before my diagnosis were diagnosed with cancer. And I was writing the checks thinking that that was going to help them, not fully understanding the length of how long it takes to get an idea to a patient and not fully understanding all of that stuff, the clinical trials, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, that stuff takes 15, 18 years. And so um, I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. And to understand that the cancer fund is, is helping to get innovations across that chasm of death. So for me, it made total sense. I could take that same check that 80% was going to keep the doors open, 20% is going to research, but I have no idea what that research is, or I could write that same check 
to cancer fund. That money's not a donation, it's an investment. And there's a possibility I could get a return on that, which to me is amazing. Is it possible I could lose my money? Yeah, but I do that same thing by writing the check to a charity. You know, great, I get that tax deduction, great, but I'm never gonna see the money again. So it's kind of exciting. And, and the other thing is to be a part of the decision-making process. Um, you know, that's one of the things that we do in the Lowdown community. And it's really kind of why we started the Lowdown community. It's an educational platform, but it's also to invite that community for their feedback. So, you know, you to have an input on where the money might go, to be able to have a return, but I'll have to tell you, one of the most exciting things was um, I got to sit in on um, an investor's meeting, a stockholder's meeting, and to hear the advancement of what they're making, what they're doing with the money that we invested. I have to tell you, I walked away from that way different than ever writing a check to a charity. I walked away going, holy shit, this is what, whoa. What this is amazing. This could really help. I, I was I was skipping because it was so impactful to me to realize that my money was going to something tangible, something that could make a difference for a lot of people. And that was really exciting. And I've talked a whole lot, haven't I? <laughs> no, that's fabulous. That was that was so powerful what you just shared, kind of that example of. You know, investing in cancer fund gets you like a seat at the table where you can literally give feedback and then you can get reports back as to where your money's going and, and how it's advancing. Whereas, you know, making a donation, getting your little slip and giving it to your accountant sometime later, that's about the extent of it when you give it to a nonprofit. Exactly. And you touched upon something that was also very important for me. Um, I live my life very authentically and very transparently. And I expect that in all areas of my life. And so to not have the transparency of where my money was going was very frustrating to me. And, you know, the beauty of the cancer fund um, is that we're under SEC regulations, which require transparency. And I think that's just, that's just magical, you know, a place to, to invest my money they're transparent, and maybe I'll get something back. In my mind, I don't care. I don't care if I get anything back because all I want to do is roll that into something, you know, what's next? What's next? Right. Yeah, so it's like an evergreen way to just continue to advance the field. No, that's that's great. So from your vantage point, a cancer fund, and then through the community, the low-down community, and looking at the landscape of cancer, diagnosis, treatment, monitoring, et cetera, what do you feel are some of the largest unmet needs or problems there? Well, I, I like to speak to the breast cancer need. You know, okay. um, uh, triple negative breast cancer is the most deadly, and there actually is no good treatment just for triple negative breast cancer. And it's, it's been great. I've, I've interviewed a couple innovators that that's, that's the primary thing that they're working on. And, you know, it, part of the frustrating part with triple negative 
breast cancer is the, the larger impact it has on the black and brown community. And, you know, there's a lot of things around that access to care and you and I could go on for hours about that. But the reality of it is, regardless of what the situation is, there is a mechanism in triple negative breast cancer in the black and brown community, which makes it more deadly. And, um, you know, that to me is a big deal. I'd love to see more spent on, on prevention, um, but, you know, there, depending on who you listen to and who you read and the research that you do, you know, it's as high as 90% of all cancers are, are environmental. You know, what, what's going on in our house, outside, and especially what we put in our internal environment. And right. so, you know, education around, around that kind of stuff, um, you know, but there's, and another thing that, that bothers me is there's not enough money spent on um, metastatic disease, you know, even in research, only about 4% of that research dollars goes to metastatic disease, regardless of the type of cancer. And only 4% of it also goes to pediatric cancers. And so I would, I would love to see more done in those areas. Well, those are great insights. I, I think to the point you were raising earlier, I think in those areas that you just pointed out where there is need, the quote unquote market opportunity is smaller. And so thus the big dollars don't chase it, which is why I guess there's such a need for cancer fund to address those smaller needs where the big money maybe avoids it because they don't see the same level of return. Is that, is that a fair characterization? Very, very fair. And the other thing too is, you know, in, in funding at the siege and pre-seed and seed stage to get a company that has a great innovation to the point where they can get the eyes of these larger pharmaceutical companies is also, I think, a value proposition for the cancer fund. You know, to be able to get them that little boost so that they can do the animal trials, so they can do the phase one and phase two, so that they do get recognized by these big pharma companies. I, I'm not a big pharma person, but the reality of it is that's where it comes from for the majority of these medications. So whether it could be through merger and acquisition or an IPO, I don't care the way it gets to the patient, but I think that um, you know, the cancer fund helps to get them to a stage where they get the eyes of other pharmaceutical companies. Oh, that's, a, that's a great point. I think that's a good insight for for you know, entrepreneurs that are listening and, and have a company and maybe trying to figure out how heart investors and social impact investors will fit into their capital stack, uh, they can kind of see where, where these passionate investors like yourself uh, would fit. And I know we share a passion, obviously, around social impact investing and driving social change. Um, and obviously, a mission of this podcast is to help educate and inspire others to become heart investors. Um, I know you and I both share the desire to try to mobilize as many people with good intentions to stand up and, you know, get a seat at the table, you know, like you were talking about beforehand. And I think that also involves being able to stand up to the special interests, if you will, that want to preserve the status quo. 
because uh, there's certainly people that have a vested interest in that, whether they're in the business world, whether they're people in government or other places that want to preserve it. Um, and we have and other have, other venture capital firms, absolutely, because you know, we are a different animal. For sure. And I oftentimes use the metaphor that our current healthcare system is a bunch of kind of rotting old growth. <laughs> um, and we need to replace that with new growth um, that's actually focused on helping patients rather than exploiting patients, uh, which we see in cancer. And so if you, if you think about the mission of this podcast and why we call it heart investors, playing on the word of smart money and smart investors, as a fellow heart investor, I'm wondering how you think we can inspire more people to become heart investors? How do you think we can do that? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. And I, I wish I had a nice, quick answer, but I don't. Um, you know, I think it's one of those that we keep spreading the word. You know, the reality of it is um, any kind of investor has the opportunity or the chance or whatever to lose whatever their investment is. And I don't know about you, I've been on that end, uh, especially around 2008. Um, you know, so if you, if you can separate yourself from the idea that it has to have a return and it's really something that you're passionate about and you really truly care about whatever it is, I don't care what you're investing in. Um, I think that that's, it's the passion. We have to tap into that passion of people that really, really care. And, you know, today with, with the way media is and social media, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to do that yet. It's something that we're still looking to do in the cancer fund as well as what is that messaging and things like this. And that's why I thank you for inviting me, Brian. Um, things like this are really going to help. But I think that as uh, some of us get a little more seasoned, um, you know, we, we look to leave a legacy and not all of us are going to write a book. Not all of us are going to invent something. Not all of us are, you know, going to go to the moon. There's a lot of things we aren't going to do, but I think as a hard investor, um, that allows you to create and leave that legacy. Awesome. And it doesn't have to be financial. Again, right. it can go back to, okay, kids, I invested in that. And now that can help you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to answer my questions and share your story and insights with our listeners. Uh, it's our hope that by hearing Anne's story and her pearls of wisdom, uh, that you too have been inspired to create some positive change in our world and maybe even do something to help cancer patients and their families. Our world certainly needs more heart investors um, and because we, we need to solve some of these problems. We also want to thank our sponsors, Cancer Fund and Profound Ventures. We look forward to interviewing heart investors from across the globe every week. To learn more, visit us at www.heartinvestors.org. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and other locations where you find your favorite podcasts. We already have over a dozen guests lined up. So until next time, as I always say, instead of being manipulated by those in the media, industry, and government that have us focus on the differences between people, let's focus on how people can make a difference. We invite you to become a hard investor. Thank you, everybody, for being on. And thanks again for being a part of today's show. Thank you for having me. And let's just keep spreading the word. Wonderful. Thank you.